0: You're about to experience the life giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, senior pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. We have been in a series of teachings called Keep Calm and Bounce Back. Everybody say that with me. Everybody say it again Keep Calm. Hallelujah. Lift your Bibles. How are we going to make our confession of faith together? We're going to get right in this word today. Amen. It's right there on the screens. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message Remain standing, if you will. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Today we're going to talk about engineering a financial bounce back. Anybody ever had some financial setbacks? Anybody need a financial bounce back? Y'all going to have to say something to me. Anybody need a financial bounce back? Anybody sick of your money being funny and your change being strange? Look at somebody next to you and say, we're going to fix that today. Tell them we're going to... Yes we certainly are. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse number 5 this is the apostle Paul writing And he says this, verse five, therefore, I thought if necessary to exhort the brethren, uh, that's us, to go out ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it might be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly nor of necessity for god loves a what cheerful. so just smile real quick just so you at least fake it until you make it now no, 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 i know you're cheerful cheerful giver and god watch this verse and i want you to say it with me because i want you to see it's in your bible we didn't uh, put this in the screens or something and it's not actually in your bible but one two ready read it with me and god is able keep reading Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one more shot because I didn't hear everybody say it. Uh, and God is able to make what? All grace. Gr- grace means favor. Grace means anointing. Grace means his super to your natural. And God is able to make all favor. That means even folk that hate you, even folk that talk about you, even folk that, okay. Abound, toward, abound means turn toward who? You. Shout your name. Uh-huh. That you. Say your name. Look at this. Always having all sufficiency in all things. That's a lot of promises. That's a lot of promises. I need to teach y'all when to shout in Denver. Always having all sufficiency in all things. See, that's why you need to learn how to praise God even when it doesn't look like you're in a great season financially in your life because the book makes you a promise that he's able to make all favor turn toward me so I'll always have all sufficiency in all things. And then look, and then that you can have a what? and abundance for every good work. I don't know about you, but I think there's a few of us in here today at this worship experience that say, I'm ready for my financial bounce back to start right now. I just, if that's you, would you indicate that by a shout or a wave or a clap or a something? Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak through me now. I pray, Father, that this word, Father, will be the catalyst necessary to see financial bounce back, engineered in every area of our lives. And we honor you for it in advance. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, have five, two, or three people and just tell them I'm bouncing back. I'm bouncing back. You can be seated. Now, I want to say this. I realize that as you talk about finances in church, sometimes people can get a little squirmish because they think, oh, here we go. He's getting ready to ask for an offering. I want to go ahead and bust your bubble. I'm not going to ask for no offering. Uh, but please understand that the word of God is true whether you like it or not. And so as your pastor, it is my responsibility to teach you the word uh, uh, in season and out of season. So when you want to hear it and when you don't want to hear it. All right. So so just so we can get this clear up front, there are no gimmicks here. There are no games here. I'm not trying to game you. I'm not trying to get something up out of you. I'm trying to get something to you. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I'm a living witness that this word works when you work it. So I want to jump right into a first point for my note takers is uh, if you're going to have a financial bounce back, you got to be real about it. Bishop, what do you mean be real about it? Now, I'm just not referring to being realistic in your financial expectations because you cannot live the life of a millionaire on a 1000 dare salary. Got it? If you're spending more than what's coming in, well, you don't need a financial bounce-back. You just need a budget. It's real. It got real quiet right there. But when I say be real about it, what I want to communicate to us is this is that regardless of who you are, financial setbacks can happen to everybody, but they can happen for different reasons. Throughout the scripture, we read about many individuals that had different financial uh, setbacks in life. Is there anybody in here that's ever had a financial setback? All right, good. All right, now check this out. They can happen to everybody, but they can happen for different reasons. Throughout the scripture, uh, we read, uh, for example, Jesus' disciples, as they uh, were serving Jesus, they experienced some what looked to be financial setbacks. It wasn't Jesus or Jesus' ministry had financial setbacks. It was that the people that were serving Jesus had financial setbacks. In fact, one time, they had to get their tax money from uh, out of a fish's mouth uh w- 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 which means they were in such a financial situation uh, in that particular instance that they needed a bounce back and that bounce back came through god putting some money in a fish's mouth now what you missed right there about that story is that god says i got ways to get stuff to you that don't make natural sense that that don't you limit your God to a paycheck because I know we serve a God that can do exceeding and abundantly and above all we can ask or think your God is so good. He says I don't even need a paycheck to get you what I need to get you. I'll just give you favor and favor is better than money because favor will let you walk in the store without having the money but the clerk say, I just feel led to give this to you. Favor will have the bill collector saying I don't know why I'm writing this off but I'm writing it off. Favor will make them lose stuff on your credit report. I will you shall shout favor so look at the bible now look at this now look at these examples we, we had the disciples of jesus they experienced financial setbacks and they were serving jesus which means even when you serve jesus you can experience financial setbacks but then uh, we even discover there's a man of god named elijah who goes through a season of financial setback he's doing what god's told him to do but he makes this announcement. Elijah makes this announcement that, uh, that there was not going to be any rain in the land except at his word. But there was an unintended consequence of Elijah's declaration. Here's the point I need you to understand. So while Jesus' disciples uh, suffered financial setback because they were pursuing destiny and they were pursuing their assignment, which I need everybody in here to know, if you want to be great, there's going to be some days where it's going to look like you're not that great. You're not hearing me. If you're on your way up and to the right, which in business, that means I'm increasing over time. If you're on your way up and to the right, there are going to be some days where you're simply not going to feel that way. There's going to be some days where you're going to say, God, I should have just settled for average. But I'm here to tell you, had you settled for average, you never would have been able, the old saints used to say, to run on to see what the end was going to be. God says, I've got great things planned for you, and sometimes it's going to require going through a valley in life but if you pursue it touch your neighbor say you'll win if you don't quit you oh uh, yes you will you'll win if you stop quitting you know why you're so sick and tired of starting over is because you keep quitting you wouldn't have to keep starting over if you just fight until you win i wish you'd five somebody and tell them fight until you win So they were pursuing their assignment. They were pursuing destiny and they were serving Jesus and they suffered what seemed to be financial setback. But Elijah now is the man of God and he declares that it's not going to rain except at his word. And when he declares that, check this out, Harvest, uh, uh, it ends up affecting him also. He was doing it as a way to chastise and rebuke the wicked leadership of King Ahab and Jezebel. I don't have time to deal with that, but oh God, if I had time, I would deal with it, but I don't have time to deal with it. So Elijah is the man of God, and he says, it's not going to rain except at my word. Here's the unintended consequence. Because it didn't rain in the whole land, it didn't rain for him either. So now as the man of God, he's doing what God told him to do, but now he's got an unintended consequence. Have you ever made a decision that you thought was going to do A, but you didn't realize that there was a B, C, D, E, F, G attached to the decision? Okay, it's real quiet in here. Apparently, you make good decisions all the time. But I think there's a few of us in here that have made some decisions that we said, well, when I did this, I didn't know that this was going to do that. When I said yes to this, I didn't know this was going to jack up that. When I said no to that, I didn't realize this was going to get messed up. And so I'm dealing with unintended consequences. And that is what Elijah's dealing with. He's dealing with unintended consequences because it gets so bad. And the Lord says, Elijah, I want you to go hide out by this brook called Cherith, and I'm going to send the ravens to feed you. Now, that's a financial setback when you got to depend on the ravens to feed you. In fact, the scripture says that he would drink the water out of the brook and that the ravens were going to feed him. They were going to bring him dead, uh, bring him bread, rather. And the scripture says that I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. What's interesting is God said, Elijah, even in your financial setback, there is a place called there where I'll still take care of you. Is there anybody in here where you ever lost some stuff and you ever thought to yourself, I don't know how I'm gonna make it out of this? But the Lord said, Baby, I got you there. Don't you worry about it. You didn't miss one meal, you didn't miss one tank of gas, you didn't miss one. You may have not had everything that you wanted, but you had more than what you needed because there is a place called there. One of the names that we attribute to God, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh, it literally means the Lord my provider. But when you discover it and read in the scripture, it is not a name of God, it is a place in God. So we call him Jehovah Jireh, but really there is a place called Jireh. There is a place where the Lord provides. As Abram was going up uh, that mountain, I feel like teaching just a little bit today as abraham was going up that mountain uh, he thought he was going to sacrifice his son isaac but the scripture says that the lord at the same time he was walking up the mountain the lord sent a ram up the other side of the mountain which means you don't know what's on the other side of your obedience it may hurt to obey, but baby, you must obey because if you don't obey, you may not know what's on the other side. While he was walking up thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. The Lord was sending up a, 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 a ram on the other side. And when he got up there to kill his son, Isaac, because he was obeying what he believed God told him to do, the Lord said, stop. There's a ram on the other side that's gotten caught up in a thicket. In other words, he said, Abraham, while you were obeying me, I was preparing something great for you, and I have provided for you. And I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider, but it's a place. That's why you ought to touch your neighbor say, I'm glad I'm in my gyra. I'm got Yes, sir, that's why you're at harvest. Because God said, there is a place that I have provided for you that I'm going to feed you, not just spiritually, but I'm going to take care of you naturally. Have you noticed that since you've been here, God's been making ways out of no ways. And he's been doing things for you that you never thought you'd see manifest. Why? Because you're in your gyra. Should I watch this? Watch this. So Elijah, we're back to Elijah. He's in this place called there. He's in this book. He's in this place. Brook there literally means valley. It means he's in this valley uh, called Cherith. He's drinking out of the brook, and the ravens are bringing him bread. He's in a financial setback. Now, remember, this is the man of God. This ain't Tyrone Nim. Nothing against Tyrones. This is the man of God, and he's dealing with a situation that's so bad that the ravens got to feed him. Now, here's what they say about ravens. You know what they call ravens? They call them dirty birds. So he's, he's there receiving, but as the man of God, the quality of life he's experiencing, he's like,
1: what?
0: What in the world is going on? For real? Now, check this out. Here's what ends up happening. The scripture says that because it's not raining, guess what happens to the brook? Dries up. Because it stops raining, the brook dries up. And so now Elijah is in a situation where he has to be provided for. And you know what the Lord tells Elijah to do? He says, I want you to go to a widow at a place called Zarephath. Now, here's what's the trip about it. Check this out, y'all. Elijah didn't know that when he said it wouldn't rain, he'd be negatively affected. So his financial setback is because he had an unintended consequence to deal with. I'm just trying to show you the different reasons you can have a financial setback. Got it? He didn't realize that by, watch this, by getting that car, he was gonna increase his insurance premium too. I'm trying to make it practical because y'all ain't saying nothing. Uh, he, he, he didn't realize that, that, that by agreeing to do this, he was really setting him up uh, himself up for some financial difficulties in that. Are y'all still here? So the Lord says, I want you to go to this widow at Zarephath, and uh, I've commanded for her to provide for you. Now, wait a minute. Why would the Lord send the man of God to a widow, a widow who is a single mother? Why wouldn't he send the man of God, watch it, to a wealthy family that was doing good? Could it be that the widow needed what Elijah had more than Elijah needed what the widow had? could it have been that that widow's life was in such a place to where nobody had put a demand on her seed because she had just decided that financial lack is the only way she was going to be able to live so when elijah shows up and puts a demand on her seed it wasn't because god was trying to take something from the woman he was trying to get something to the woman See, for all of y'all that get attitudes when we talk about sowing and giving, I need to tell you, God ain't trying to get your little $20. Your little $20 ain't going to make or break nothing going on up around here. God is trying to get something to you. I wish you'd slap somebody a high five and say, God's trying to get something to you. Don't you think that arrogantly like God needs what you got? God says you need what heaven has. And the only... so now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, he sends Elijah to this widow at a place called Zarephath, uh, Zarephath rather, and the scripture says, I'm going to paraphrase real quickly, the scripture says, essentially this woman is planning on making her last biscuit meal for her and her son and dying. She's a widow, which means she's a single mother. And here's the trip about it. that For her to be a widow suggests that she was married. Got it? Now, for her to have been married, the scripture also is suggesting that she used to be doing well financially. And now she's in a financial setback. Watch this. From uncontrollable circumstances. You have been in a financial setback for something you didn't do? You, you were just doing your life, doing your thing. And all of a sudden, some, something come up. And you're like, what in the heaven is going on around here? Y'all not saying nothing. You went to go apply for the loan to only discover somebody somewhere had used your... Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Say amen, because if y'all don't say amen, I'm going to press right through there. Okay, cool. I'll leave it alone. Uh, and, and, and so, watch this. Elijah goes up to the woman, single mom. She's given her to make her last biscuit meal and die. That's what she says. And Elijah says, woman... Uh, Bring me some bread and uh, and while you're up, get me some water, too. Now, that tells you the story, the the, the situation financially, because I don't know about you, but bread and water. Maybe bread and some orange juice, bread and some milk. I'm just saying bread, bread, uh, coffee. I mean, have you ever had a donut with a glass of water? Come on, y'all looking at me like you know, like you don't speak the king's English. Have you ever had a donut with water? No. You know why? It's gross. That's why. That's disgusting. Who, who wants to do that? <laughs> That's disgusting. I remember when I first started drinking water and cut a lot of extra stuff out of my diet I, uh, uh, and all that kind of thing years ago. I, and I had lemon water. You know, now I hook my water up now. Now, I'm not talking about y'all that try to be stealing lemonade because I'm not talking about that. Or you squeeze a bunch of lemons and say, let me have some sugar. I was sitting at a table one time with a preacher. He said, let me get a bowl of lemons. I said, now, where are we going with this? I said, I, need me on, I normally only need one. And let me get a bowl. And then he started squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And I said, God, dog, that, that's going to mess him up later on. He's going to pay for that. And then he said, uh, let me have some sugar. I said, God, dog, is he finna make some? Man, I'll buy you the lemonade. I, it's 3 $3. So, watch this. Water and bread are gross. So, it tells you the state of financial condition because the man of God is like, listen, let me just have some bread. Let me just have some bread and let me have some water while you're up. <laughs> Since you're going to the kitchen anyhow. <laughs> Got it. Now, take this out. He does that. And as he does that, she responds and says, listen, Elijah, man of God, sir. I need you to know that I'm getting ready to make my last biscuit meal, and me and my son are getting ready to die. Right. That's our plan. That's what we got going on. Yes. That's what's happening. Yes. So you coming and asking me for this, you know, hey, not, not really cool. Come on. That's a Bishop former version. Sure. You know, I can't believe you asking me for this at the worst time. <laughs> what I discovered about God is that he often asks you for what you think you don't have at the worst time to ask for it. Yes. He, he often, when you're in the lowest place in your life, he says, go pray for somebody. You're like, I need somebody to pray for me. While well, you can be in the worst financial position in your life, he says, I want you to give. You're like, I need somebody to give something to me. Because God often asks you for a seed when you think you don't have it. So he tells her, listen, woman, don't fear. Uh, I'll go make my, the Bible says small cake, bishop form of translation, and I'm from the south. So go make me a biscuit. And bring me the first biscuit. And then afterwards, you go make some for you and your son. Check it out. He said, I want you to sow the first biscuit to me. Check it out. It was so bad. She didn't have money to give. The only thing she could give was her biscuits. He says, I want you to give me the first one. Check it out. The first fruit. Give me the first and give me the best. And then you go make something for yourself and for your son. And, 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 and look at this. Look at verse 14. They'll put it up for you. 1 Kings uh, King 17, verse number 14. For thus says the love God of Israel, The bitter flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now remember, rain could come only come at his voice. So he says, I want you to know something, widow, at Zarephath. I want you to know that God is needing that seed from you. Watch this. Because your one biscuit is going to provide for you and your son for the rest of the year in other words he was saying if you'll exchange what's in your hand because it's not enough to meet your need which means it's not your harvest it's your seed and he says I want you to know the Lord says to you that your uh, oil is not going to run dry you're going to be able to make plenty of biscuit meals and you might even be able to put some gravy with them biscuits because if she had some oil, y'all know, uh, come on ladies, she could have took that oil and, get, y'all ain't saying nothing to me, and, get some, and she could have made her some gravy. Now, I can't cook, but I know something about some gravy. Are you still here? So now watch, watch. So she went away, verse 15, and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. Now I was telling them in the other experience, what's interesting is where does household come from? She starts out by saying me and my son are going to eat and die. But now the scripture says that the Lord didn't provide just for her and her son, but the Lord provided for her and her household. Watch this, which means God's provision is so great that when we trust him, he says, I'll take care of the stuff you weren't even planning on handling. See, you said to yourself, we're just going to do this and this, and we ain't going to worry about this. But God said, I'll take care of the whole household. In other words, let me say it the way I said it in the other experience. There's certain bills that when you go through financial setbacks, you just sit over here and say, I ain't even finna fool with that. Yeah. Y'all better put your hands in the air, because you better put it up like you do care. Anybody ever been in that place in life where you think to yourself, God, dog, I, they can send the bill all they want, but I don't know where they're going to get it from. They, look, you can only squeeze so much burn up if turn turn up. Anybody been there? Anybody ever been in a situation where you look at your credit and you're like, yeah, I don't know what to tell them. Tell them I ain't got it. But I'm going to put something on it. In other words, the Lord said, I want to do something so great for you, single mother, you widow at Zarephath, you you woman that is looked at to be in the low totem pole and echelon of society because you were uncovered as a widow woman because her husband had died. I want to do something for you that doesn't even make no sense. But to do something for you that don't make no sense, I'm going to need a seed that don't make no sense. For a harvest that don't make no sense, I'm going to need a seed that don't make no sense. Oh, I wish I... God will ask you for what doesn't make any sense because He's trying to give you what doesn't make any sense. Only God would ask this woman for that at her lowest moment because God says, Baby, if you trust me, I just need to know if there's a few harvesters in here that trust Him. If you trust me, won't I make a way somehow? I wish you'd half out somebody and say it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to ask this woman for that. But God says what she needs is ridiculous. See, some of y'all still haven't got over the hump that I'm talking about money in church because you got this bad mentality. Well, I come to bust up your mentality because you've been lacking for too long. You've been losing for too long. You've been beneath what God has ordained for your life for way too long. Have, Have your neighbor say, I'm bouncing back. So watch this, watch this, watch this. She's dealing with an uncontrolled financial setback. Elijah's dealing with uh, uh, unintended consequences and a financial setback. But the Lord comes and provides in a supernatural way. And the scripture says that the oil was not used up nor the flour and everything that the Lord spoke through Elijah to the woman of God or to the woman at Zarephath, it happened. Somebody say it happened. But here's the point I wanted you to get from sharing those three sto- uh, from sharing those two stories is that financial setbacks can happen to anybody. Job has a financial setback. I like talking about Job. You know why? Because I like comeback stories. I don't know about you, but there's some movies that, that what makes them great is the comeback story. And you sitting there saying, I know it's going down, but I know any scene is getting ready to change. And that's what heaven is sitting up saying about you. They say you may have been experiencing some tough things, but God is looking back saying, but the scene's getting ready to change. The, the, the stage is getting ready to change. And so do you know what they do when they get ready? I need to preach to somebody here. Do you know what they do when they're getting ready to change the stage? They turn off the lights. If you've ever been to a play, they shut the lights off so and they close the curtains because on the stage, the stage is being set so that when you see it next time, it's going to be a different scene. I'm going to tell somebody, it may feel dark in your life right now, but that's only because the scene is getting ready to change. And God says, I shut the curtain so I could work on you behind the... Th-. <laughs> I've had somebody say I'm bouncing back. Job, Job has a financial setback. One day after meeting in heaven, Job loses everything. And Job wasn't acting crazy. Job didn't do nothing wrong. He was doing everything right. Yet he experiences a financial setback. So why did Job have the setback? Watch this. It was because God had greater in store for Job, but it required greater seed. So we got one individual now that has an unintended consequence. Elijah. We got another individual this widow who's having an uncontrollable circumstance. We have the disciples who they're experiencing it because they had left all to follow Jesus and they're pursuing their assignment and they're pursuing their destiny. And we know that they bounced back because in the book of Acts, the scripture says the apostles prospered so much that whenever the church had a need, the apostles took care of it. The church says that there was a great missionary journey that they were going to go on. And the church said that the apostles, the Lord had bounced them back so significantly that they just said, how much is it going to cost? whoop there it is are you still here but now Job is in a situation where God had greater in store for him but it was going to require greater seed now I need you to get this because because sometimes when it comes to the word sometimes you're like I got that I got that and you kind of go through the church motions of that's right Mm -hmm." listen Linda YouTube it Here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to understand. Uh, Had had Job not responded properly, the end of Job's story would have been him losing everything. But when you get to the end of the book of Job, the Bible records that the the Lord gave Job double. Which means Job was content and comfortable. And what I discovered about Jesus serving him for a long time is that when you get content and comfortable, that's normally when he's like, let's take some things up. No witnesses. All right. I see what I got to do here. Preach to your own self for them. And Yes, sir. I will because they ain't coming with me. I'll go with the goers. Where are the goers at in the room? That's what I need to know. What I discovered about God is right when you're like, everything's good. Everything's comfortable. He's like, I want to do some more. Yeah. Samoa is a southern colloquialism for some more. Yeah. I want to do some more, Job. And you're comfortable and content with your life. But God says, but I want more for you. Yeah. And watch this, Job. The truth is you want more too. You just don't know how to get there. Is there anybody in here you ever been in a place in life where you're saying to yourself, I want more. I just don't know how to get there. I want to see more. I want to do more. I want to make my life mean something. I just don't know how to get there. Well, baby, I got an announcement for you. God has a plan to get you more. Watch it. My next point is called a forced investment. Say forced investment. Forced investment. So point number two is read it right. Point number one was be real about it. Let's be real about it. Everybody has financial setbacks. But point number two, we got to read it right. Bishop, what do you mean read it right? Our perspective has to be right about what happens so that we don't misperceive, therefore we respond incorrectly. If you look at the things that you've lost in your life, whether it be financial, whether, if, I was, if I was to ask us all in here to raise our hands if you've ever lost some money or lost a car or lost a house or, or made a bad investment, everybody's hand would be up. Got it? Matter of fact, so that your neighbor doesn't feel like they are the only one. If you've ever lost anything, money, car, house, whatever, job, bad investment, would you just put your hand up? Would you put your... Okay, cool. Okay, some of you need to put your feet up too. And put your knees up. Just put your knees in the air. Okay. Okay, good. So, so, so just look at your neighbor and say, we've all, we've all done it. The point I'm trying to get you to understand is that this, is if you don't read it right, you'll be mourning over what you perceive you lost. If you don't read it right, you'll be mourning over what you perceive is gone. Oh, God, it's real quiet in here. Bishop. what do you mean I'll be mourning? Well, when you, the natural process that our minds go through when we, it's perceived that we lost or wasted something is called the grieving process. You know the grieving process. I've told on it before. The grieving process is five steps to the grieving process. Anger and, 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 and uh, uh, denial and all of these things. And, and, and when you're going through the grieving process, you're normally a meanie meanie is Greek no, I'm just joking. you can tell people that are grieving because they have a horrible attitude their attitude can I just use a real spiritual word it sucks sucks means sucks in Hebrew and sucks in Greek grieving people make other people grieve Because their mind, because it's going through the process of loss, now their mind determines and concludes that, well, I need somebody else to also experience loss. Because grief tries to fix the disequilibrium that's happening. So grief says, because I'm suffering, somebody else got to suffer too. That's why some of the folk that you walk with and you call your friend, you're like, what's going on with them? What happened to them? They used to be so this, they used to be so that. But watch this, because their mind perceives that they lost something, they're now in the grieving process. And so you used to be able to talk to them and their conversations made some sense. But now when you talk to them, you're like, who, what? What are you talking about? I say good morning and you sitting up here talking about What? You know somebody's grieving about financial loss when they talk about how good it used to be, when they talk about how great things used to go, when they're talking about, remember how we used to have this? Well, listen, can I tell you something? You ain't got that no more. So as long as you keep mourning over that, you're going to be miserable, and you're going to be sad, and you're going to be angry. Stop mourning what's gone. Celebrate what's here. Stop worrying about who walked out of your life and celebrate the folk that's still putting up with your crazy self. Stop Oh, I think I got some witnesses here. As a pastor, I got to learn how to not worry about who ain't with me. I just go with who is. I feel it coming. Sometimes you just got to say, F them. So do. Uh Uh-huh. Forgive them. I forgive them, and I forgot about them too because I got too much living to do. I got too many places to go to be stuck. Cut your name and say, F them forgive them now if you, th- if, if you think you, you lost it guess what Harvest you're going to grieve and, and watch this and you, and you know you got family members that grieve because they'll be like remember when we had the, uh, the Cadillac <laughs> remember when we had the truck <laughs> remember that place we had over on no that's why you hate the one you got now cuz you're sitting up talking about what you had. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You. Consider it like this. Co- consider that everything you have has ears. So if the stuff that you currently have has ears and the only thing it hears is that you don't want it cuz you want what you had. Right. Why would it stay? Right. If everything has ears, well, why would it stay? I saying, Bishop, that's a stretch. No, it's not. The scripture says that everything has an ear to hear. So why would your current car want to stick around for you when it knows that you really want something else? It's quiet up in here. I mean, think about a new relationship. Who wants to be with somebody that keeps talking about who they used to have? I don't, but then go back to that. If it was all that, then... on somebody sitting up talking to you about who they used to be with oh I can see some of you ladies now because I, I can see it written all over your face I see all the neck popping in the work you're going to break that thing you keep doing that to it it's going to pop right off just going to roll off now bishop what's the point you're trying to make Is when we're Christians, nothing is wasted or lost. It's sown. So sometimes your financial setback is simply a forced investment. But so what is a forced investment? Watch this. The level of seed you're currently sowing is insufficient for the level of life you desire to live. And that's what happened to Job. That's, That's what happened to Job. What happened to Job is Job had these plans for this big life. He didn't know how to get there. So Job was sowing based on where he perceived he could sow. And watch this. Here's the revelation. So when God allowed those things to watch this be taken, because Job was a believer, it's not that those things were lost. Those things were sown. Bishop, how do you know they were sown? Because if I get to the end of the book of Job, the scripture says, and the Lord repaid Job double. Well, the only way I'm entitled to a harvest in the earth is when there's a seed in the ground. See, your neighbor's issue is they're looking for a ship to come in that they never sent out. They're waiting on a harvest to come in that they never sold for. You're waiting on something to come back. You ain't put nothing in to. It's amazing how often in our culture now we expect to get a return on that which we haven't invested in. It's quiet in here. You, 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 you want a great family, but there's no investment. You want a great career, but you're lazy and sloppy. You, okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me, so I'm going to preach it anyhow. You, you, you want a great life, but you won't put no time into being great. You want to be celebrated, but you won't celebrate nobody else. You, you want people to be loyal to you, but you won't be loyal to nobody else. I ain't, I ain't fine, cool you want people to do for you but you want to do for nobody else I'm mean here to tell you, you've been hoodwinked you've been bamboozled, you've been sold a bill of goods without a seed, there is no harvest no, yeah. That's good. That's good. it's amazing what we want Come on. Yeah. juxtaposed to what we've sown alright, right. Oh. Right, so watch this so when Job lost those things because he was a believer, those things were really what? Seed. It was a forced investment. It was a forced seed. Now, check this out. Everything, and you need to hear me, homers, everything that seems like you've lost it or seems like you wasted, hear me, it was really a seed. Everything that seems like it was lost or wasted was really a seed. All the time you sat up and said, "What?" God said, you didn't lose it. Stop mourning it. You know why some some folk got so much hate in their heart, they got so much hate and bitterness in their heart because they look at all the time they spent in people and they look at it like they lost it. You didn't lose it. You sold it. Why? Because when I'm a Christian, the scripture tells me, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together. Which means God will take the good, the bad, the ugly, the lost, the wasted, and he'll make it work together for my good. Say this. Say your name. That ain't your name. (laughs) I'm just playing. All right, say your name. Say everything that seems like you lost it or wasted it was really a seed. Check this out, Harvest. Even the stuff, watch this, even the stuff that you say to yourself, well, that was just my stupid decision. Let let me help you to take the foot off of yourself. God says, I'm so big and I'm so incredible. God says that I'll take even your stupid decision and still make it work. How do you think you've been making it all these years? Nobody's in here. Anybody in here ever made some stupid decision? How do you think you made it through that? Because God says, watch me take it and watch me make it work together for your good. So watch. So watch this. So watch this. Watch this. You are either in, in, in one of four seasons. Or excuse me. Uh, uh, rather than that, we think of life in four seasons, often fall, winter, spring, summer. But the scripture records season in contrast. Genesis eight twenty two says, while the earth remains, is the earth still here? Yes. All right. Uh, seed, time, and harvest. Uh, notice seed time, it makes it one word, but that's a bit, uh, that's a bit misleading because really there's three occurrences there. There's seed, then there's time, then there's harvest. Yes. But it makes it one word, seed time, and harvest. So they're in contrast. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not what? cease. Which means, watch says, hear me, you are either in a season of sowing or you are in a season of reaping. So the second point was you needed to do what? Read it right. Don't read it as, oh, man, I made so many bad decisions. Because you know why? Let me tell you, you want to know what produces more bad decisions? Morning bad decisions. Okay, let's be honest. We'll do stupid stuff to fix stupid stuff. You ever done that? Okay, so in business, they'll say, don't throw good money after bad money. Because right. they'll say, well, you're trying, to, you're trying to throw more money after the problem, and money is not the problem. Right. Got it? You ever you, 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 you made decisions where you, like, man, that wasn't good. And then to fix the not good decision, you made more not good decisions. Right. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Doesn't even say, tell the truth. So, but we can't read it that way if you're Christians. As, and if you're not a Christian, we believe that you will be but by the time this worship experience is over. When you're a Christian, we got to read it right. What does that mean? I don't read it as loss. I read it as seed. That's it. So, so if they took the car, don't look at it as loss. my car. Oh, my God. You ain't driving that car no more. That ain't your car. That's the bank's. The calling it it's yours. You trying to own something that ain't yours. Got it? Oh, my car, my car. No, instead you just need to say, thank God, I got a big seed in the ground. I got a $25,000 seed in the ground. Come on, Harvest. If you lost your house, don't don't get the, oh, remember our house? Remember, oh, remember we had three levels? That ain't your house. That's the bank's house. Right now, you're walking on one level. So if you're walking on one level, thank God for your one level. And stop saying, li- listen, just say, I got a $400,000 seed in the ground. Yeah. If you lost a job because of bad decisions, I'll say, oh, remember my job? Remember my pin holder? Remember? No, 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 no. That ain't your pin holder. That's the company's pen holder. Them ain't your pens. Even though you took them home with you, those are company pens. Take them people back their pens. Instead, say, I got a $40,000 seed in the ground. Bishop, why? Because if I read it right, I won't mourn over it. I'll see it as seed. Because if I'm mourning, I'm going to make more bad decisions to fix bad decisions. So check this out. You are either in a season of sowing or you're in a season of reaping. So sowing means maybe things aren't really going as great as you like, but you're sowing. Reaping is when you begin to see God do the things for you that are bigger than you could do for yourself. Sowing is spent in the trenches doing intensely hard work and maybe even feeling like you're struggling. But when you're still faithful to God, it's seed. Reaping is when you see a return of the work. Sowing can feel like a valley. Reaping can feel like a mountaintop here here's the danger don't rush the seasons because if you do you won't sow everything you're supposed to so you won't reap what god intended you know what we often do as human beings is we like to relieve pain so we will do what we perceive necessary to relieve and ease pain so sometimes when things get difficult rather than pressing through them sometimes what we will do is say this must be god's way of telling me no Well, I I wonder if everybody in the Bible had did that, what we'd be reading about. It got rough for Abraham and he pressed it got rough for david but the scripture says he encouraged himself in the lord it got rough for elijah but he pressed it got rough for paul it got so bad for paul here paul is saving thousands of people and he got to go get a job making tents because the church was tripping on their giving y'all ain't saying nothing to me paul says matter of fact paul got an attitude with him he said next time i come you better have my money before i get there second corinthians chapter nine you better read your bible it got so rough for Paul. Paul sitting here saying, be healed. Go get my needle. Making tents. My God. Here he is, a man of God, making tents when he's got thousands of people that he's changed their lives. So Paul said, I made you spiritually inferior because I didn't teach you about giving. And Harvest, if I don't teach us the truth, whether or not it makes you uncomfortable or not, I'll make you inferior. And I refuse to pastor an inferior people, and I refuse to pastor an inferior church. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Touch your neighbor and say, you are, you are not inferior. Tell him, say, you're not chump change. Not Tell him, say, you're not average. You better come up off of that trip. You better come up off of that, but I'm just going to get by. What the hell? God did not die for you to just get by. He did not pay that price on Calvary for you to struggle through life. No, he died so you could have life and life more up. Somebody shout if you believe it. I'm just going to get by. He died him and killed him and you think he did all of that so you can just sit up and be average so watch 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 this what's this what, what's this say <laughs> i am not inferior Matter of fact, just for you all to me, where's the scripture, Bishop? Put it up. Second Corinthians 12, 13. Put that on the screen so they can see it. Look. There it is. Put it up. Second Corinthians 12. There it is. For what is it in you to which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me for this. Paul said, forgive me for not teaching you that the only way to have a financial bounce back is to sow your way out. Paul said, "Forgive me for not telling you that because I didn't want to hurt your feelings because I wanted to make sure that you sat in that seat to heaven with your feelings. When you on a comeback tour, you ain't got time to sit there and muddle in your little messed up average feelings. All right, so 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 point number three, <laughs> point number three, point number two was." Read, right. You didn't lose it. You didn't waste it. You sold it. And let me tell you, that brings me great comfort because there's stuff in my life I'd be like, God, I just wasted all this time with this Yahoo. Lord, why you didn't stop me from wasting my time helping this Google? Now, I'm just saying because my time is money. I don't know about yours. My time is expensive. And there have been times I said, Lord, I just sat up and why you didn't stop me from wasting my time with this Bing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go on, Yahoo, Google, Bing. Okay, I've uh, yeah, been like, I'm like, Lord, and, and you know what? One day, a few years ago, He spoke to me and said, "Son, you didn't waste anything." I said, "Well, what did I do then?" I said, "Cause, Lord, when nobody else was there, I was there. When everybody else threw in the towel, I was there. And this is the repatriation I get for that." He said, "Son, you didn't waste nothing." He said, you sold it. There have been financial decisions I've made in life where I was like, "Ah, oh,
1: God, dog, Lord, why?
0: Tell me why. why? You been like that? And the Lord said, son, come here. He said, I need to tell you something. Let me tell you something you didn't waste it son you sowed it you didn't waste it it was a forced investment see some of you are trying to figure out how, how you've been making it all this time it's because you didn't realize that there was some stuff on the front end a few years ago that was a lot of seed the stuff that you thought that you lost it was a lot of seed And you know what's been getting you through the last few years of your life? All that seed. All that seed that was sown. God says that's what's been sustaining you now. Because it'd be illegal for me to give you a harvest you didn't sow for. So I let you lose it so you would have some seed. Because I knew a rough day was coming. And I wanted you to be protected from it. So watch. Last point. Last point. Return big. Return big. Now, I've already said that some people get uncomfortable when you talk about money in church. But money is a vital part of life. And in fact, the Bible talks a lot about money. In fact, when people have money, they're nicer. <laughs> now, some people, you know, can go to the opposite. You know, you've seen some people that not that. But the regular, everyday person, you can tell when they got money. <laughs> they walk different. <laughs> they come into church different. You know, if, if they're going through a rough financial time, they leave their person in the car. They leave their wallet in the car. When they're they in a, in a, on a financial high, oh, no, they bring that joke in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Bishop. Praise the Lord. Ain't God good? I put you something in that love offering. I put you something in that love offering. Amen. 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 Bless God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah, amen. Not amen, 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 amen. They walk different. Their jeans got a different crease in them, you understand? That crease be sharp, man. You touch that thing, you're going to cut your finger, you understand? You know what I'm talking about. Ladies, when you got money, you don't be walking with that broke thing, that looking that, no. You come in. Cause you was finally able to get it straightened so you Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You praise and worship. You don't go down, you don't get down like you used to. Now when you get a little money in your pocket, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? What's in your eyes? Why are you. In fact, here's what the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 10, 19. A feast is made with laughter and wine makes merry, but money answers everything. Especially for men. When men don't feel strong financially, it affects the way they do everything in life. So, Bishop, why is this financial bounce back so important? It's the third message in the series, and it's so important because when your finances bounce back, everything else seems to be a little bit easier. When you're not worried about how you're going to do this and do that, it seems to be a little easier to get everything else done. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Got it? So touch your neighbor and say, you need this. See, you need this because this is what's going to make the rest of your bounce back easy. This is what's going to make the rest of your bounce back go forward. Don't don't, don't fight the word now. This is what's going to make the rest easy. You're a better parent when you got money. You know, let me tell you why. Let me now. now let me best friend Shut up. Listen. Now, just listen. You don't know everything. Listen. That's right. Now, what I mean by that is this: is that you won't pay attention to the little to the little stuff that you nitpick them about. You nitpick them because you try to not think about your money problems. Sit down. I am sitting. Sit most still. But how you sitting? Sit most still. What? When well, you got a little extra money in your pocket. Oh baby, what you want to do? What you <laughs> Y'all not saying nothing. If you got financial stuff going on in your life, you know what? Every, uh, where you, you don't even ask them where they want to go eat. <laughs> Y'all ain't said nothing. I want to go to fire guys. Well, you got fire guys money? No, you got some fire guys money? No, you're going to get something off the dollar menu. Unless you're paying for it, don't be sitting up here asking for no five guys. I don't know no five guys. You know five guys? Y'all, okay, you know what? Whatever. Whatever. Would the real parents please say amen right there? When you're married and you got money, everything's great. You don't care about the fact that the laundry ain't done, the kitchen's still tore You're like, oh, praise the Lord. They must have been tired. We ain't got no money. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. What's wrong with you? Who left the Cheerios open? Who left the Cheerios open? Like, what? Sat down somewhere. I told you about leaving my. I'm gonna put my Cheerios in the trunk. You weirdo. That's weird. Y'all ain't saying, you're a nicer driver when you got money. People can cut you off and you'll say, that's all right, F them. I forgive them and I'm praying for them. When you got money trouble going on, no, you ain't finna cut me off. See, I'm sick of people. See, this is, I'm too nice. That's my problem. I'm so sick of this. No, you, no, you, no, you, you, let the window down. Let the window down. You be covering up your harvest beat. Let the window down. put the scripture up because he 10 19 money answers everything now that doesn't mean let me be very clear money is not our god money is not our source and money does not buy happiness but it sure don't make you sad either because lonely can't listen money can't buy your friends well physical friends well actually but you got some other friends benjamin <laughs> Jefferson, Jackson, y'all not saying nothing. And they friends that don't talk to you. They don't talk back. They don't give you no trouble. So let me be clear. I want to be clear as we get to this last point, and I'm done. I'm not at all suggesting that money is our source and money is our God. And that's not what the Bible is suggesting. But watch this. When you can operate in a level of financial sufficiency and abundance, it makes life a little bit easier. And for years, church folk have shouted, but they've not walked in the financial abundance God has ordained for them. And that's not good enough anymore. Again, you will suffer financial setbacks sometimes. I don't care. But listen, the man of God suffered. It. Elijah suffered. So it doesn't matter who you are, from the pulpit to the pew, you will suffer financial setbacks. But I got an announcement. You will bounce back. And the, and this third point is how you do it. Shout, return big. Return big. Shout it again, return big. return big. So watch this. Malachi chapter three, verse seven, and then we're out of here. Malachi chapter three, verse number seven. I want to show you some things. Return big. You got the point. What's the first point? Be, real. be realistic. Be real about it. What's number two? Read right. Which means what? You didn't lose it or waste it. You sold it. See, that'll help you get over your past. Matter of fact, you'll start thanking them rather than cussing them. You'll call up one of them and be like, "You thank you so much for being a lion, knieb, and low down. I got a great seed in the ground. Have a blessed day. <laughs> and the third point is what? Return. return big. All right, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7. Got it? It says, yet from the days of your followers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you. So in other words, God says, you went away from what I ordained, ordinance, what I ordained, what I planned, and you have not kept them. So he says, you come to me first, and I'll return to you says the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts means the Lord who fights for us. But you said, in what way shall we return? So in other words, I love this conversation because God is like having a conversation with himself about what they're going to say to him. So you ever done that? You'd be like, so uh, you need to do this. I know what you're getting ready to say. You're getting ready to say this and this and this. That's what the Lord is doing. So so the Lord is like, you say, in what way shall we return? Look at verse 8. Here's God's response. Will a man rob God? yet you robbed me in other words he says let me tell you how to get out of this situation that they were in in the book of malachi he says let me tell you how to get out of it because where they were so you know in the book of malachi they were in a place where often happened with the children of israel where they began to say things like it, it's not profitable to serve god we've wasted our time we've lost this we've wasted this it's not profitable to serve god and the lord starts dealing with them like he's married to them so the book of malachi which means messenger In Hebrew, the Lord refers to his relationship between him and his people like the relationship between a married couple. So when the Lord says, I hate divorce, he's not talking about divorce between a man and a woman there uh, to be textually correct. He's talking about divorce from himself because he likens his relationship to a relationship between a man and a woman so that they could understand what he was trying to do for them. I'm just trying to give you context so you can understand the text so you don't become extra textual in your interpretation. I so watch this he says he says he says y'all are dealing with some with some things and he says i'll tell you how to get these things fixed he said listen your dad and them didn't follow what i said either he said from the days of your fathers in other words he says if you'll check your bloodline all of y'all have been dealing with this thing and he says i'll tell you how to be the interruption in your bloodline he says will a man rob god now he's asking it as a rhetorical question because how do I rob God? How do you jack God? Is jack not the word to use now? Is steal from? How do you steal from God? I mean, how do you like? Hey, God, hey, break yourself, Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, how do you do that? how how, how do you, How do you how do you rob God? how how do you How do you do that? So then he says, "Let me tell you how you rob me." He says, "You read it for yourself." But you say, "I don't hear everybody say it." Read it. Now watch this. Notice he combines the two. In your tithes, that's the first 10% of everything that comes into your hands. If you go out on the street and you see a $100 bill, the first $10 is the Lord's. Amen. Amen. If you get paid on, on, on next Friday and your gross salary, gross salary is $2,000, the first 200 of it, not after you've paid everybody else, the first 200 is God's. Amen. Got it? Everybody understand the tithes. But notice, he connects it. He didn't just say tithes. He said tithes and offerings. Now, you sometimes hear people say, I can't afford to tithe. All I'm saying to you, then you can't afford to bounce back either. What you have in your hands is not enough to meet your need anyhow. So that means it couldn't be your harvest. It's got to be your seed. But he says, and offerings. What are offerings? Everything that we give above that first 10%. Now, how many people, I I just, I just, I just, I just, uh, uh, because I I need us all to understand this. How many people, and just wink at me, I have to raise your hand. How many people, this concept, sometimes in life, life situations have made it tough for you to fully grasp this concept. Just wink at me, just wink at me, just wink at me. Okay, cool, all right, right, cool. See, I didn't even look at you. I looked over you into the camera. I didn't even look at you, okay. Now, now check this out. Here's what I need you to understand. Here's what I need you to understand, the importance of this. As God says to the people, let me show you how to return to me. So that you can walk in what I've ordained for you. He says, it's not enough to just give me what you owe me, which is the first 10% of everything you get. He said, what are you giving me above that? Bishop, why? I've taught on it before. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it today. Think of your tithe as as the minimum thing there. Your tithe is not a seed. You pay that because you owe that. That's his. That's the least you could do for a God who's been making ways for you. You know Parents, you ever thought to your, your kids give you something and, and you're like, well, look, that's the lease. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay, when you pay your Excel bill, Denverites or Denverians or whatever it is, when you are or Aurorians or whatever, Aurarian, I don't know, whatever you are, whatever, Coloradans, <laughs> when you pay your Excel bill or whatever your power company bill is, you're not, you're not doing them a favor to give them what you owe them. They're like, you use this much electricity, you use this much gas, you owe us. So you don't call and say, I'd like to sow my seed on my bill. No, you pay your bill. So the offerings is where the increase comes from. So look at verse number 9. Offering is everything you give over your tithes. Okay, number 9, you, verse number 9. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Cursed with a the curse there. The word curse means empower, empowered to fail. Let's look at the word. He says, you're empowered to fail even this whole nation. You missed it. An empowerment to fail means no matter what you do, it's destined to fail. Even if you have three good months at it, its end result will be failure. Why? Because he says, if you rob me, then who will protect you? And let me be clear. We are not talking about giving to earn God's love. If you never give God a dime, he's going to love you the same. But you will not experience favor. He'll love you the same. He'll love you whether you give 10 million bucks or $10 or no dollars. He's going to love you the same. We're not talking about giving to earn God's love. No, you can't buy him. He's not that cheap. Your $200 can't buy Jesus. <laughs> verse 9, you're empowered to fail because you rob me, even everybody around you. Look at verse 10 bring all the tithes. Now, check this out. I better say, say all. He, in other words, he was saying, don't tip me, tithe me. I'm not some waiter at some restaurant that gave you half put together service. Don't just put five on it. <laughs> okay, being all the ties into the storehouse, and look what, and look, and he tells you why. He says, "And storehouse here just means church, he, uh, where you receive spiritual nourishment." So let me just deal with that too. Okay, you can't tithe to the Red Cross, you can't tithe to the Goodwill. You don't tithe. People say, I tithe my time. Ain't no such thing as that. You, sow, you just, you just sold your time. Ain't no tithing time. You owe him, you just give time. You sow time. You don't tithe no time. Okay? Uh, you, does everybody understand this? Okay? You, don't, you can't tithe. Well, I tithe. I gave my clothes, the first 10% of my clothes. Listen, that's an, that's an offering, and that's sold to the poor, and that's a whole other thing. That ain't no tithe. Well, I calculated the actual value of my clothing to be, no. And whoever told you that, it's a lie. Truth ain't in them. Just so we we can be clear, okay? I heard some weird stuff. I gave 5% to the church, and I gave the other 5%. You can't, all the time. You know what all means? The whole time. Do you understand this? Again, try that with your light bill. I gave y'all half, and then I gave the other half, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to cut all the lights off. It's quiet up in here. God, y'all ain't saying nothing today. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you get him half, they're going to cut them all. Pay half your car note. See if they leave you with half the car. It's quiet in here. They're going to take the whole car. Pay half your house note. Well, let me stay in the downstairs, though. I'm just saying, let me stay in the kitchen and y'all can take the upstairs. No, we're going to take the whole thing. God have mercy, Lord. If you'll get this word to your people, my Jesus, sweet Jesus. All right, my sis, bring all the ties in the store. Said, and look, he tells you why. So that my house has food. In other words, God says, you take care of my house. I got yours. Amen. And I think I got a few witnesses in here that when you handle God's business, God. Absolutely make sure he handles your. I'm a living witness. God has brought me back from setback and setback and set back, and I bounced back because I took care of his house. And when I handle his business, God handles my business. And look where he is. I'm closing and pour out for you such a blessing. That there will not be room enough to receive it. The blessing is an empowerment to prosper, to do well, or be made whole. He says, I want to bless you so audaciously and so vivaciously that there is not enough room in your life for you to receive what I'm doing. All right, look at the next verse, verse number 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. What's that? Bad business decisions. What's that? Bad deals. What's that? Uh, Bad uh, friendships that's going to cost you more than what they're worth. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing right there. Uh, He says, I will rebuke everything that is devouring things, and I'll do it for your sake, so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, but fruit comes from seed. So in other words, he says, you'll start seeing the results of your seed. Nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, listen, Lord of hosts is a a, a phraseology that means the Lord that fights for us. Say, he's fighting for me. Say it again. Say, he's fighting for me. me. Look, Look here at verse 12. And all the nations shall call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, last point. What is it? Return big. Return big through your giving even when it doesn't make sense. That's the principle. Return big through your giving when it doesn't make sense. Return could also be, be, be used to, to, to mean bounce back. Can, can I tell you something, Harvest? Hear me, and I want to talk it slow because I want you to get it. The only way out of a financial setback is to sow your way out of it. That's the only way out of a financial setback. And, and watch this. Let me tell you how powerful this is. Because people say, God doesn't care. I've heard people say all kinds of things. God doesn't care about that. He doesn't. Jesus just wants your hearts. Just give the Lord your heart. You know how he knows he has your heart? He, he, he responded. He said, wherever your money is, your treasure, that's where your heart is. So I don't know I got you if I got your money. Because what you do with your money is a demonstration of what you believe. Show me your checkbook. I'll show you your values. For those that don't still use checks, show me your online banking statement. I'll show you what you believe. That's your values. I just don't believe all that. Listen, I don't care what you believe. Get up on top of the building. You don't have to believe in gravity either. Jump. Good luck. Now you're going to need a miracle. Are you going to believe in miracles then? You don't believe in giving, but you believe in miracles. Okay. Jesus doesn't care about my giving. Then why, in Mark chapter twelve, on, did He stand back and watch the offering? Right, right. That's good, sir. Yes. I had to. I was preaching. I was ministering at a at a uh, Baptist church this last week, and I and I told him. And I'm getting ready to close. Yes. If you grew up in the Baptist church, uh, uh, the, when the preacher says that. Uh, that's his way of, 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 of letting you know he's moving toward the end, but to just keep you on the edge. And you might be wondering, how many doors he got? All his closing, he doing. There's a lot of doors. Jesus in Mark chapter 12, he sit backs, he sits back, and he watches the offering. He watches the scripture says the very wealthy and rich people give, and he says they're giving out of their abundance. And he wasn't saying that they were wrong or anything like that. He was just saying it was easy for them to give because they weren't in a financial setback. It's easy to be a big sower when you feel like you got big money. But when you need a financial bounce back, God wants to know, can you sow when it makes no sense to sow? So Jesus sits back, put up the scriptures, Mark chapter 12. Jesus sits back and he looks at the offering. Go, go up to verse 43. He looks at the offering. Actually, go back to verse 42 so they can see it where he's looking at it. It'll go 41. There it goes. Now, Jesus, I want you to read it so you can't say, Bishop, put that in there. I want you to read it. Mark twelve forty-one. Ready, read. So check this out. For those who say, "Well, it don't really matter," I just need to tell you what Jesus thinks. Jesus said, "Y'all give me a chair. Y'all give me a chair. Y'all give me. Let me have a chair. Thank you. Can I have your chair? Thank you. Amen." Here's what Jesus did. Thank you. He was gonna sit it right here. Okay, and some people have sown offerings over there, so y'all can see that. Y'all can see the offerings. Let's pretend like that's the treasury. Okay. Come on, come. on. Can we play, play? Play pretend. You do not play pretend in Denver, don't you? Pretend. All right. So check this out. So Jesus posts up. It's offering time. He don't go out the door and says, let's be cheerful as we give today and walk out. No. Jesus sits down and says, it's offering time, church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Get your offering. I mean, I'm just going to be praying pretend. Get your offering in your hand. Amen. If you're making checks payable, make them payable to Jesus Christ International Ministries. Son of God. Amen. 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 Judas, where you at? Judas. Judas. Come here. Judas. No, no, Judas. You stand here. <laughs> because <laughs> Judas was stealing. Judas was the treasurer, but Jesus knew he was stealing. So he's like, now, nah, Judas, you sit over here with me. Now, nah, I'll, I'll get the checks and the cash. You sit over here. That's what Jesus does, y'all. Jesus, he's like, all right, y'all ready to give? Okay, everybody, let's give. Jesus, he don't leave. He doesn't start doing this, calling us sing a song. Nope, it's silent. And Jesus says, everybody, get up. Parent pretend you ain't going to get up. Everybody, get up. Let's give. He sits down, posts up. How much you give? How much you give? Mm-hmm. 20, no, that ain't enough. Go, uh-uh, no. Uh uh, no. $20? No, I saw your check. I am omniscient. I know all things. That ain't enough. Come back with some more. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't care nothing about that light bill. Uh, look! Look at your Bible, verse 41. Put, put up. He sat up. He sat down. And watched them give. And many who were rich put in much. Next verse. 42. Then one poor widow came. Look, another widow. Come on, Harvest. If you'll help me, we can close this thing out. It meant she didn't have two incomes. So... It wasn't as easy for her to do it as it was for the other people. It wasn't as easy for him to do it as it was for the other people. But the Bible says she threw in two mites. I feel it here. She said, Jesus, I I wish I could give you more, but this is all that I've got. And she threw down those two mites, which were less than the value of a penny. She threw them down. And look at what Jesus says about it in verse number 43. Jesus says he called his disciples while he's sitting down and said, y'all, come here. y'all come here, y'all come here, y'all come here. Just just, y'all three right there, come on. He's like, look, let me tell you something. Tell you
1: something.
0: All that, that's great what they get. Y'all see them two pennies right there? He says, she put in more than the millionaires and billionaires, not, not because she gave more money, but because she had to have more faith to put in those two mites that are less than a penny. So I'm going to reward her greatly because, thank y'all, because her faith was greater. Listen, what are you trying to tell me? The only way you're going to have a financial bounce back is you got to sew your way out. And when you do so, baby, you got to sow big. I wish you'd high five somebody, tell them, say so big. Thank you. Thank you. And God says, see if I don't open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such empowerment. I just want to give you this this, this real quickly. Say windows. The windows of heaven are an idiom, number one, for God drowning things that aren't best for your life. Number two, the windows are opportunities that you don't necessarily deserve nor qualify for. But here's this last one, and I want you to see this. Windows give you the ability to decree and see. Windows give you the ability to decree and see. Here it is. I really am closing here. Job 22 and 27, but you need the word, don't you? Are you being blessed by the word? Job 22, 27. Say, say, when God opens the windows of heaven, I have the ability to decree and to see. So here it is, Job 22 and 27. Look at this. You will make your prayer to him. He will hear you. You read the next part. And you will pay him what you owe him. And you'll sow your seed. And you'll give your tithes. And you'll give your offerings. And look at verse number 28. And you will also decree a thing. You missed it. There is no decree in C unless I haven't first gotten my seed in the... Okay. You will also declare a thing, and it shall be established or done for you, so light will shine on your ways. I'm here to tell you that the only way out of your financial setback is you got to give. And even when it feels hard, and even when it feels tough, and even when you feel like that widow who said, This is all I got, but this watch me slap it on that altar watch me slap it in jesus says i will make a way for you out of no way and you will experience your greatest financial bounce back ever if you believe that harvest would you give god praise
1: experiences are what people love the most about travel